Welcome to Money Your Way. My name is Jess and I'll be your host. This podcast is all about empowering women just like you to feel confident when making choices in the world of personal finance. It can feel super confusing and overwhelming when there's unfamiliar lingo and tons of options. So I'll do my best to keep this fun and simple as we learn together. What do you say? Let's jump right in. Welcome to today's episode of Money Your Way. I have Bob Wheeler as our guest today, and we're going to talk about something that I think you guys are really going to enjoy. It's going to be a topic of money and emotions. And kind of playing into that, Bob and I discussed a little earlier before we hit record on this, was some of the things that maybe society has placed on um, you know, financial mindset, gender roles, and what people think that might look like in their relationships. So I'm really excited for where this conversation is going to go. And, you know, Bob, I just want to welcome you to the show and allow you to introduce yourself and share what you you want to tell the audience from your background. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's great to be here. I'm excited to have this conversation. Love these conversations. Uh, so I'm a CPA. I've had a tax practice. I've been doing taxes about 30 years. Um, got about a thousand clients. I work with entrepreneurs of all genders and I also am the CFO and COO at the world famous comedy store in Hollywood. And I've been there a very long time. And, um, and then I started this mission of money and emotions, um, the money nerve of really just wanting to uh, talk to people about the impact of emotions because it's so unconscious. And, and so many people think two plus two is four and it is, but if you have an issue with that, <laughs> emotionally things are going to get complicated. And so it's just been my mission to normalize conversations around money and really help to, um, you know, help people um, make it a wider welcome for folks that don't feel comfortable reaching out um, to find out about money or not seeing themselves represented in the financial world. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the whole mission here. And, you know, you talked about the two plus two equals four. Well, you're talking to engineer logic brain, like (laughs) black and white here. So, um, that is a lot of my personal background, but I've seen the emotion aspect for me with money show up more so in, in risk tolerance um, yeah. and investing more than you know other areas of maybe whether it be like budgeting or saving. So I think it, it's one of those things too, like you said, it's unconscious and it can show up in different ways for different people. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, being the engineer that you are, um, and I work with a lot of financial advisors that are very much two plus two is four. Um, the problem is if you don't understand where the people you're working with, like my clients are coming from emotionally, I can give them all kinds of great information. They're just going to tune me out. And, you know, so the example I often like to give is how do you like to split the bill when you're with a large group of people at a restaurant that brings up all kinds of emotions. You're going to split it 50, 50, uh, you know, for every single person, I didn't have the wine. We're going to nickel and dime and figure out to the penny. I'm going to go hide in the bathroom and hope somebody else covers it. I'm going to skip out early. And oops, I forgot. Like, right. That brings up so much um, in, in determining like our emotional attachment to money, just splitting the bill. Yeah. Well, and I'm sure that was one of those things that has maybe changed through generations, but also with technology, you know, back in the day where you had what you had in cash and that probably made things more complicated and not everyone maybe had full funds to pay for the full bill. So it it 
limited the options on the table. And and now there's, I'm sure, plenty of options, but apps like Splitwise that if you're on a longer trip, it makes things simple like in that aspect or any of the other like, money transfer apps between right. friends. Yeah. And, you know, I have several friends and family that have their Venmo or Zelle or whatever. And somebody's like, oh, I don't really have money. Oh, I take Zelle. <laughs> Oh, I take Venmo. You can send it to me right now. Oh, oh, right. It sort of kills the excuses. <laughs> yeah, no, def- I mean, I started to see as well, just it's slightly unrelated, but still made me think about it. Valet options are now posting their Venmo and their and their Zells because people are not carrying cash anymore. And I definitely yeah. personally fall in, into that bucket. But that is an interesting thing. Like, when you just you know hypothetically prompted the question of how would you split a large bill, my first initial reaction was, well, it depends who I'm with. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And that's the kind of stuff we just want to help bring awareness to so that when we're making choices, they're intentional and, you know, conscious um, s- instead of just, oh, I'm, I'm in a unconscious reaction. Right. So, you know, that was kind of a, a question to ask yourself and prompt some of the the thinking. Are there any other questions that you could maybe give our listeners as a, a starting point for either having that conversation kind of internally for themselves to bring the awareness or maybe between friends or partners? And, and you might categorize some of these questions by audience as well. Well, so one of the first things when I'm getting people to t- take a look at their emotions and all that is I, I, I like people to journal, uh, but I want to ask the questions. What did I learn from my mom? What did I learn from my dad and what they said and what they didn't say? And because there's a lot of, a lot of juice there, right? If nobody's speaking, but you know, it's shameful to ask what people make at work or certain questions, then you just know you're going to get punished if you ask certain things. Cause it's, it's inappropriate. And so start to look there. If you grew up in a religious community, if you grew up in a certain, certain culture, were there certain things that were valued um, over other things and start to, oh, okay. Um, what things did you take for granted? Maybe you um, didn't have to pay for free, you know, for the lunch program. Maybe you were chauffeured to school, right? So, start, and, and you just assumed everybody was chauffeured to school or did you, you know, were you the rich kid? Were you the poor kid? Were you the kid that felt like, oh my God, I'm always wearing hand-me-downs. And then did you make a decision about that as you were growing older? All these things that happened as a kid, right? We weren't necessarily equipped to deal with them. And so we started making up stories and calling them truth and cataloged it. And we said, put that away. This is how it is. This is how it is. And now we're making decisions based off our four and five and six-year-old. So the question is, do I need to uh, update my software? Um, and change the messaging that I got from my parents and I got from my community. Yeah, those are a lot of interesting, you know, points to bring out. And I, it takes me back thinking on childhood. And like you said, things that were talked about or weren't and just observed. I mean, as a as a kid, without necessarily knowing what other families are are making, right? That's not typically information that a 10, 12 year old would know brand recognition always went a long way for some sort of status. And it, it, it you know, translates in some aspects um, financially to what was valued. And I don't even want to say by how much someone had, because 
what did I see this the other day? I was like on social media and someone said, stop using the terms. I can't afford this. How many times have you caught yourself saying that for something that you have the money for in your account? You just don't prioritize it uh, anymore. And that kind of rings true for so many different things. And it, and it reminds me of, you know, spending as, as kids of where, where you want your money to go and almost the importance at that young of an age of other people perceiving things a certain way. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm a big believer that we all have a story, right? We all have a story um, about that we need to be richer or we need to be more generous or whatever our story is. And there's a cost there. And and maybe it's a good cost. Maybe it's worthwhile. But we're in a story sometimes. And I see more and more these days, um, I'll have clients come in, they grossed a million and a half, they've netted four or $500,000, and they'll start telling me, how poor they are and how sad their life is. And I'm like, wow, you've got the story really well, you know, prepared. You're not broke. You're not, this is not a pity party. How about recognize all the money you've generated and your ability to travel and your ability to pay for a house, right? But it's so much more fun to be a victim and go, oh, I'm so, I can't afford that. I'm so broke. Well, you're not. For some people, and some people are, so it's not that everybody is, but it's to check out your story and decide, is it fiction or nonfiction, the story mm-hmm. that I'm telling? Yeah. And and also, you know, it's that kind of situation is pointing out lifestyle inflation. And for some, that's completely subconscious as well. It just starts to happen. And before you know it, you're spending money on things that you don't even value, but you're just right. doing because that's what happened or you think you're supposed to be doing or some other influence played a a factor into it. So uh, there's so many different ways that we could we could take this. Um, I think one of the ways that I might, you know, relate most to my audience as they are processing some of those emotions that come up with the questions that you prompted earlier would be how some of the differences might play a factor in relationships and um, kind of what you would have to say in that aspect. Yeah. So it's so interesting when people go into relationships, some people do a background check, they do a credit check and other people will just say, I love you. And they'll just dive right in without getting any information. It's so important, I think, to be able to at least have a conversation with your partner and, and say, what are your values around money? Do you like to save? Do you like to spend? Um, if we were doing things together, how would you want to approach it? Um, this is how I would want to approach it. And actually have these transparent conversations. I think so many people have been socialized to believe that a conversation around money means a fight or a conflict. Um, I know at least my generation, a lot of parents fought about money or never spoke about money, or it was very very, you know, serious conversation. You couldn't just be like, Hey, can I borrow five? What do you mean? Right. So it's just very intense. And so really checking in, like what's, what credit card debt are you bringing to the party? Like, what do you have student loan debt? Uh, Where, where are we? So what are we going to start with? Because we got to know if we're getting ready to start a journey together as a couple, we need to know where we're starting. Like, what are our assets? What are our debts? And so to be able to be comfortable. And if you can't, have a conversation with your partner, spouse, fiance now, it is definitely not going to get exponentially easier down the pike. 
got to learn to have those difficult conversations sooner than later. And and there's the reality that a lot of people listening to this haven't had that conversation before. And so there may be some aspect of fear for different reasons. Um, one, it could be for maybe divulging some of their, call it secrets, uh, to their partner. It could also be the fear of not knowing what's going to come out of the conversation. So how would you address the emotion uh, behind the concept of fear for any of the various reasons that it could come up just on starting the conversation in the first place? So I think when people have a conversation and they've agreed to have this conversation, when I think it's important to name, we need to have this conversation uh, and and then set the ground rules. If I get triggered, if you get triggered, we get to take a five minute break and we get like, so to, to like figure out the places where it might go south, right? It might get really ugly. And so set the rules. We don't get to judge. We don't get to name call. Um, we get to share what's true for us. Um, we don't get to observe how I notice you do this, right? But to just really try to create a safe container to be able to both express, here's what's going on for me. Here's my fear. Um, and it might initially take having a third person to help um, navigate that if it's a really triggering conversation for some people. Um, but I think those fears are realistic and, 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 and they're not, I mean, they're not unfounded and based on our own stories, there may be a lot of fear that I'm going to get yelled at. I'm going to get judged. And so with our spouse, with our partners, we want to create this safe space for each other so that we can actually be fully transparent and, and actually have the life that we say we want to have together. Yeah, no, those are some really great tips. I know one of the things that we talked about just briefly before hitting record as well was uh, the role that gender you've seen play in the emotional aspect, especially in, in relationships. And I mean, we can acknowledge there's all kinds of relationships. I think just for the sake of um, the conversation for today, we'll we'll probably just assume a heterosexual relationship for the conversation, but just acknowledging that that's, that's not, all types. Know, it's not all. Yeah. There's all types. Abs- absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting and, and I've gotten pushback on this sometimes initially, and then I've had other women come and rally and say, no, 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 it's true. It's true. So one of the things that I've noticed is that even um, millennials and everybody, like there is sometimes this socialization that uh, women need a knight in shining armor, um, find a good man, right? Uh, go to college and get your MRS. Mm. And, and so, and even though there's a lot more information and women are much more empowered um, than prior generations, there is still a lot of that coming through, bleeding through from grandma, from, from grandpa. Right. And so to, to just ask as a, as a woman to ask yourself, do I have permission to self-advocate? Do, um, have I been taught to look for a good man? What are the values that my parents and my grandparents placed on me or the religious organization that I grew up in or the culture that I grew up in? What are the values that they're placing on me as a woman that are different than they're placing on men? Yeah. And, you know, I I watch a lot of trash TV that definitely came out of the (laughs) pandemic of getting hooked on some of these ridiculous shows. Um, So I can't remember which one it was, but in, in one of the couples dynamics, they were meeting with an in-law for the first time. And I remember the father-in-law saying, how, how do you plan to take care of uh, 
my daughter. And now that's a pretty broad (laughs) statement, but it was answered from the financial perspective, which it's, you know, as soon as you were saying that, I was like, oh, I can see how not only, you know, is there the influence on, on women and their thought process in their partner, but also the, the pressure that could come from, from the male side of that. Right. Well, and it's interesting because sometimes our own family um, is actually unintentionally working against us. I've talked to women who've been in a bad relationship. They've gone to their parents and said, look, it's bad. The parents will say, well, he's got a good reputation. He, you've got a nice house. He, you know, forget about the fact that he's abusing me and forget about the fact that he's emotionally unavailable, uh, but he's got a good reputation. Um, you're going to be well provided for financially. Life is more than just finance. I mean, it's great, um, but I'd probably have like having a little less money and be emotionally s- feeling safe than having a lot more money and then having to worry every day when I wake up. And and so they don't mean to necessarily, but they're trying to, I don't embarrass the family. There's never been a divorce uh, or those kinds of things where we're placing our parents are placing values on us that don't necessarily resonate for us, but then we want to be true to our parents. Like we don't want them to be wrong. Mm. And so, and so we're in this conundrum. Do I advocate for myself or do I make mom and dad feel better about the thing, the situation? Yeah. Wow. No, that's, that's heavy. And you, you mentioned a little bit on, on abuse um, and, and the term financial infidelity, you know, comes to mind. What are different ways that you have seen that show up in relationships? Well, if you've got, um, and again, we're talking in general, but if you've got a a male who's the breadwinner, right, and they're controlling all the numbers, they might be spending the money on personal things for themselves because they earn it, right? They make more, so they're entitled to spend it. They may be indulging on things that don't serve the family that don't serve the couple. Um, There may be control issues around you're only allowed to spend this much at the store. So yeah, that's great. You want to go out and buy this new item, but I'm going to cap it. I'm going to cap it. So don't go over it or there'll be consequences. And so control is a real big thing in, in relationships in unhealthy relationships um, when there's not transparency, when there's not um, two people coming together equally. And so that's why I think these conversations up front are really important because I I see people hiding their money, having separate credit cards, but done in secrecy, not, not transparent, you know, secret. I have the secret account. I have a secret PO box. Um, If I go out and spend stuff, I hide it. I've had several women that say they hide stuff that they buy in the closet for a month and then slowly introduce it so they can say, no, 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 I've had it for a bit just so they don't get into an argument about their spending with their spouse. Um, and and if you're the person that's not making all the money, you're you're sort of in a you're sort of in a hard space if your partner isn't willing to share the money or is going to be judging you or you're going to you're just I think the self-esteem takes a hit when you don't get to actually advocate for yourself that there's somebody else telling you, "Yeah, that's not going to fly for me." Yeah. Come into the, I want to see people come into these relationships equally. And so that was going to be my flip question of like, what are some aspects of, uh, you know, 
healthy financial communication and healthy financial emotions and relationships that people can strive for or look, look forward to because as it seems from our conversation so far there may be a tough road to getting there depending on where you're starting and and it might not be overnight but having some of that hope and and knowing what could be because again finances are are still unfortunately taboo and not necessarily talked a lot about a lot that People might not even realize there are couples who aren't having arguments about this every other night and and able to be open uh, with communication. So I'd like to hear from you on that. Yeah, absolutely. I know lots of couples that have amazing conversations and amazing relationships, and they're very transparent. And what's really cool is a lot of these folks, once a week, once a month, they're talking about their money. They're talking about shared values. They're talking about shared goals, right? They can each have their own dream of this and dream of that. And are we putting are we putting away money for the kids? Are we saving money for that house? Are we investing? I have these friends and um, she loves to say, oh, when my husband starts talking about stocks and dividends, it's so sexy, right? Because she's like, <laughs> I get off on knowing about how much money we're making and the interest rates and the return on our investments. And it's just very funny, right? Because for them, it's just a lot of joy to to like really nail that stuff in. And if you were to meet them, you would just think they're, oh, they probably make, you know, 100,000, but whatever. They're making bank, but you wouldn't know it from the way they interact with people. They're very low key, but being able to have those conversations on a regular basis, checking in and again, not making somebody bad, but a lot of couples will agree that anything over 500 bucks or a thousand bucks has to be, we both have to sign off. If one, um, if one spouse has reservations about something, it's a no-go. Um, I, I have a couple that they were just getting ready to buy a house. And the agreement is always when it's a big ticket item, if one person has reservations, it's a no. And there's no guilt or shame. It's just, you don't feel, you don't feel comfortable. We're not going to go forward. And so those folks, I think that are out there having conversations, setting goals, writing it down, meeting on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. And having those uncomfortable conversations or having those difficult conversations, knowing that it's not personal, right? Knowing that they have shared values and 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 actually working towards accomplishing that. And I think even if you're single, when you spend your money, when you're buying drinks on a Friday night, ask yourself, is this in alignment with what I say my values are? Is this in alignment with me saying I want to save for my future? And if it is, great. But if it's not, ask yourself, then why am I doing it? It's not that we can't have fun. It's not that we don't need to reward ourselves. And it's important to ask, is this the direction that I want to go in? Is my Am I congruent in walking my talk? No, those are fantastic points. I appreciate all that. And I'm I'm recording right now. I'm six months pregnant, so I can relate to the money I'm saving on on, on not drinking, um, but really pointing out kind of like there is still that aspect of removing the alcohol and having a, a social component to your life and, you know, finding tips and tricks like mocktails are charged at half the price. And so sometimes it isn't even something that people want to be doing, but they do for social acceptance. Have a drink that looks like a drink and it costs you half as much. So it's a win-win because you don't feel crappy and you know, you're, you're saving money or it's small things like that. (laughs) Well, and that's, you know, to your point, I have a client, she 
was spending out of control. We were looking at everything. And I said, well, what is this? Oh, well, I have that's girls night out. And I have to go to girls night out. And we go to this place and they have tacos and they have margaritas and we all have five margaritas and we each spend about a hundred bucks. And then I have to buy gifts because it's always a birthday. And I said, well, why don't you just buy a couple of bottles of wine and invite everybody over to your apartment or to your house? And, and then you'll save a whole lot of money. And, and so that's what they started doing. They started just having potluck and they started, you know, not having to spend 50 to a hundred dollars a piece on a weekly basis. Um, and they still got to have fun and they got to hang out. Nobody kicked them out of the bar. And it's much, much cheaper if you just go buy a bottle of wine at the grocery store. Yeah, no, for sure. Oh, I love that. Well, for the sake of time, um, I'll let, give you the opportunity to share anything else that you think we haven't covered. And then our my closing question would be, what is one permission slip that you would like to leave the listener? And it can be to do something, to not, but just kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Do you want me to answer that first or do you want me to answer the other? Go for the other one first. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, regardless of whether you're single, married, any of those things, if you're sitting there questioning why your finances aren't where they are or where your life, why is your life not where it is? I would ask the four questions. What, why, why, what, what do I want? Why do I want it? Why don't I have it? What am I willing to do to get it? Oh, I love that. And I think it applies to whether it's finance, whether it's food, whether it's diet, like if we don't ask why we want it and why don't we have it and what are we willing to do? Cause a lot of people aren't willing to do a whole lot to get there. And, and so they're going to stay right where they are. Um, so I think that's a real important thing to ask. Um, if people want to check out their relationship with money, we have a free money quiz at testyournerve.com and they can go in and just uh, have a little fun. The permission slip that I would offer people is that um, have permission to have fun. Like don't, make yourself bad or wrong. You've worked really hard. You're allowed to actually have pleasure. We're so busy getting ahead and getting ahead and doing this and doing this that sometimes we don't stop and actually reward ourselves with the money that we've earned from all our hard work. Um, so I would just encourage people to, uh, and that's not saying go out and just go crazy, Yeah. but I think there's a lot of people that, well, I'm broke and, or I, they punish themselves and they don't give themselves permission to actually enjoy. Well, thank you for that. I think that's a great one to leave the listeners. Uh, I will include the link to that quiz in the show notes. Any other uh, contact information that I can include for them? Uh, themoneynerve.com. That's got my podcast. That's got my one-on-one coaching. That's got tax tips, a lot of free resources, um, and my email address so people can reach out. So themoneynerve.com is a great way to find me. And we love to help people, whether it's practical or emotional. That is fantastic. Bob, this was so much fun. I really enjoyed diving into the different areas of this topic with you. So I appreciate you being on the show. Well, thanks so much. I enjoyed it. And I hope your listeners had something to take away. I'm sure they did. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Money Your Way. If you loved this episode or you learned something new, it would mean the world to me if you just took a few seconds and shared it with a friend. I cannot wait to keep learning and growing in this journey together.